Hello, and welcome to another episode of Five Things, an independent web series dedicated to answering the five burning tech questions you have about technologies and workflows in the media creation space. Tech stuff I dig and how it's used. I'm your host, Michael Thomas, and on this episode, I'll be pontificating on the sexiest of all technologies, storage. In fact, there is so much to cover on storage that this will be a three-part episode of Five Things. These episodes will encompass part one, SANS, NASs, bandwidth, and connections, Part two, drives, size, spindles, and protection. And part three, management, permissions, and support. What we won't be covering is cloud, LTO, or ODA storage, simply spinning disk. However, I may cover these in a future episode. Let's stick with local and shared storage for today. Now, some of you may know my affinity for good scotch and craft beer. In fact, in a past episode, I had a case of my favorite brew in the background. Thus, it was suggested that I do an episode while enjoying a libation. And so here we are. Today, I'm enjoying Lafroig. Lafroig. Quarter cask, smokiest scotch I've ever had and I can't recommend it enough. So, while I pour myself a dram, let's get ready to make three backups with episode one, Sands, Naz's Bandwidth and Connections. Oh, welcome back. Before we jump into the geeky goodness, let's make sure we're following the same nomenclature. Phew, I've been sweating the nomenclature all week. First, we have SAN, or Storage Area Network. A SAN is a centralized storage platform that multiple computer systems can connect to and use. Historically, SANs were fiber channel based. However, by using different protocols over ethernet, a SAN doesn't have to be fiber based. Many times, SANs have a proprietary connection method to each client machine, which optimizes their performance between the server and the client. They typically appear as local volumes to your machine, as opposed to network volumes, which leads up to our next term, NAS, which is Network Attached Storage. It's also a centralized storage pool and has historically been based on Ethernet connectivity. A NAS usually uses built-into-the-OS protocols for client computers to connect to the storage. This means it's easier to connect and to use the storage, but often performance is decreased because of these fast and loose protocols. As I mentioned, there are two predominantly used physical methods of connecting many computers to the same storage, Ethernet and Fiber Channel. These physical transmission methods of Ethernet and Fiber Channel carry data in various protocols over the physical cable. Fiber Channel commonly uses the iSCSI protocol, while Ethernet commonly uses AFP, SMB, or SIF. iSCSI needs an initiator, the client computer, and the server, the target. These are usually developed by third parties and don't come stock in your computer. AFP, SMB, or SIF shares are Windows and Mac protocols that virtually every CPU should understand. Another way to differentiate is if the shared storage shows up on your computer as network volume or local storage. SAN volumes traditionally appear as local volumes, where NAS solutions typically appear as network shares. Many shared storage solutions are mixing the protocols found on fiber channel SANs and utilizing Ethernet to transmit them. This is where the blending of the two technologies and two transmission methods converge. Whoever sent it here has obviously developed a highly sophisticated method of matter transmission. Anyone capable of that could have killed us all long ago. The end game is that when both of these topologies, when configured and deployed correctly, can be run long distances, are somewhat flexible, and most importantly, can be used for utilizing mass storage in the video realm. 
the big difference to the end user is sustained bandwidth. Bandwidth, also is known as throughput, is the amount of constant data your computer can read and write to and from your storage, and is paramount for video recording and playback. Too little bandwidth, or poor sustained bandwidth, causes your video to stutter or even refuse to play. In addition, this latency can cause the responsiveness of your NLE to tank. This is why choosing the correct fiber channel or Ethernet solution is so important. Let's take a look at the bandwidth you'll find via Ethernet and fiber channel. As you'll immediately see, there's a difference between real-world and theoretical speeds. You gotta figure it out, Father. Uh, this one should be fine. You don't know how all this works? Theoretically, yes. Kind of like that bag of life-shortening potato chips you picked up at the grocery store. Is it ever really filled to the top? Or the miles per gallon you're supposed to get on your car that you could never quite reach? Real-world performance versus mathematical performance. Never forget, they are not identical and can vary from solution to solution. An assumption we have to make with these numbers is that the storage drives and chassis can actually handle the throughput of the transmission method we've selected. I've given her all she's got, Captain. If I push it any harder, the whole thing will blow. But we'll dive into that more in depth in part two of this three-part series. If your storage can physically handle it, I normally ballpark 20 to 30% off of theoretical max for a more real-world ballpark estimation. All shared storage solutions are a little bit different. However, for sake of discussion and to be safe when planning your facility, let's say 30%. You always want to plan for the worst when designing a workflow and plan for future expansion. In addition, all of these connections have the ability to be bonded. That is, the aggregate speed of the multiple connections yield more throughput than a single connection. This ability, of course, is based on the SAN or NAS, the switch, and the fiber or ethernet card in your system supporting it. Never assume any of them handle port aggregation. Verify. If they do, then you now have an opportunity to potentially almost double your theoretical bandwidth highway. This is a very good thing. Now that we know how wide our highway is, let's see how many cars we can fit on it. When it comes to bandwidth, the video industry is actually in an excellent place right now. Acquisition codecs like H.264, XDCAM, P2, and to some extent RED take up a small amount of bandwidth while still delivering decent quality. In fact, for most editorial needs, bandwidth needs to each and every system have not grown very much in the past decade or so. I showed this chart a few weeks back, but it's just as applicable now. Let's look at old standard definition video rates, for example. 10 plus years ago, broadcast networks would play material to air that had been online at one to one uncompressed or frequently at two to one. The video data rate of standard def at one to one is 22 megabytes a second. The current broadcast quality HD AVID codec, DNX145, is actually less, clocking in at about 18 megabytes a second. Even DNX220X, the least amount of compression before going uncompressed in the AVID realm, is only about 27 megabytes a second. Thus, we can take advantage of the drops in storage pricing and the advancement of computing power and use only slightly more than the same bandwidth we were using for editorial back in the good old SD days. Now that we know our connection methods, 
how much data we can push and pull down each pipe, as well as the data rates of popular codecs, now we can see how they all fit together to best plan out our network topology. <laughs> you kids and your topology. So now, let's match up our cars, codecs, against our highway, throughput. Here we have codecs versus bandwidth. Remember, bandwidth calculated at less than theoretical max, which is a better approximation of real-world performance. So what does this mean? Clearly, most codecs can easily fit through the pipeline a one giggy line provides. Sorry, our computers are a little slow today. We need a new ethernet cable. Fiber channel becomes the obvious solution when uncompressed HD or higher resolution, less compressed codecs come into play. Thus, for most video-centric editorial applications, an Ethernet-connected solution, singular bonded, can handle the job. This, of course, takes into account your computer is fast enough to decode the streams. The act of getting the data to and from your computer is different than the ability of the editing system to decode and display it. I would add that not all Ethernet solutions are created equal. Sustained throughput is the name of the game, and off-the-shelf or IT-centric solutions almost never handle video properly. Basic Ethernet topologies are relatively inefficient, and it's very common to have peaks and valleys with the transmission of data. These valleys can cause dropped frames. Video-centric shared storage solutions tweak the communication between the client machines and the server machine to optimize the video editing experience and maintain editing responsiveness. I cannot stress enough to look into video shared storage solutions as opposed to basic Windows or Mac networking protocols. Talk to a video professional. Uh, you fellas have nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. Professional what? A Pinto can get onto a racetrack, but it doesn't mean it performs well, you know? In closing for this first entry in this three-part series, one for three may be good in baseball, but not in post, and certainly not when choosing a shared storage system, I cannot stress enough that if you're considering a SAN or NAS, consult a video shared storage specialist. While I pour myself another glass, did I miss anything essential about SANs, NASs, bandwidth, or connections? Do you have a suggestion on a good red, stout, porter, or scotch? Let me know in the comments via Twitter or on Facebook, and please, Share this series with your friends. Stay tuned for part two on storage, drives, sides, spindles, and protection. Same bat time, same bat channel. As always, thank you for watching.